the Transport Workers Union Local 513 podcast with Second Vice President Brian Parker is online and streaming. Take it away, Brian. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the TWU Local 513 podcast. Joining me again today is Greg Cozy. Thanks for joining me today, Greg. Good to be here, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. Just want to put a few things together. I know last month we had mentioned that we didn't know if we'd be able to get a podcast in before the Christmas holiday, and our schedule's lined up, and here we are. So just a couple of things I'd like to talk about. If you want to start out, since we work here at DFW, you and I both kind of talk about what's going on at DFW. Well, sure. We just recently had a military movement. You know, it's always an honor and a privilege to participate in that where our troops are going home for the holidays. Cause a lot of overtime for our guys, which is good. But the big picture is that, you know, anytime we can do something for those working women and men in the military, it's really a, an honor. So our guys moved quite a few military bags over the last week. So that was, you know, one of the big things that happened at DFW. Obviously, they're gearing up for the holidays for Christmas, New Year's, a lot of work, a lot of flights. We'll couple that with some inclement weather this week. But, I, you know, our guys are always up to the task. As far as kind of an overview of what's been going on in DFW, we're still trying to get more headcount, not just for the holiday season, but for the upcoming flight schedules. As far as cargo is concerned, our cargo operation is running very well. I get an update almost daily from management at cargo. We're running close to, if not a little bit more than a million pounds a day, which is awesome. Our cargo facility is humming virtually almost 24 hours a day. We're trying to get it to a 24-hour operation. Our executive board member, Jeff Scott, is working very closely with management to try to get a 24-hour operation. A lot of things going on in cargo. As far as our brothers and sisters over at Allied Aviation, we have some decent news to report. We've started a bi-weekly meeting with management. We believe that it's very important for us to start having those types of regular cadences on meetings, just to discuss whatever issues, grievances, operational concerns. Uh, there's been a huge disconnect in the past. I don't know, I've been involved at this local for five and a half, six years now. Uh, it's been a huge disconnect with the union and allied leadership, local leadership. And so I think these meetings are very important. We've been able to settle grievances. We've been able to change some of the operational things that they've been doing. So we've gotten some traction. So that's a good news story. We will continue those meetings throughout the upcoming year. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going on, even though it's a holiday season. Right now, we're still, you know, doing our business as we should be. Absolutely. Okay, moving away from DFW, let's talk a little bit about the outstations. Big things are happening in Austin. As you know, we represent the TWU members there in Austin. Austin is actually becoming what we call a mini hub. They've added a lot of flights. I think about 30 flights in a very short period of time, which has necessitated more headcount, some different operational tools there, additional bagroom pier or two, a baggage transfer point, which also means that they need to expand the break room facilities. And we've been working pretty closely with management there to try to facilitate that. Our guys deserve the best and they deserve, you know, great working conditions. And so we're going to continue to push management there to, to get them what they deserve. But as far as the operation is concerned, I think American has thrown a lot of its resources into building the operation there. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. San Antonio, another station that we represent. San Antonio is chugging along as well. It's a, it's a very important city in American Airlines operations. So our guys there are doing well. Uh, of course, more headcount 
as much as we can possibly get. So we, we're still doing you know, what we can there to try to foster that, that operation. Nashville is it's kind of a pet project. As you know, I'm, I'm from Nashville. That's where I started. We're working on getting them better equipment. So I try to keep my finger very close to the pulse of what's going on there. We've had a couple of issues in the past couple of weeks, but we've resolved them. Some managerial issues, but we've gotten those issues squared away. We got some very strong union leadership there. So we're fortunate. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna continue to progress there. And again, like I said, our biggest issue there is is more about equipment and also break room space. So we're working through those challenges. Two other stations that we have members at, Raleigh Durham, North Carolina. I'm pleased to report that a couple of our members have uh, become union reps there. It's an IAM station, but we have TWU members there. And Local 513 believes that it's really important to have TWU representation there for our members. And so we look forward to those guys taking on that challenge. We're going to either bring them here to DFW or we'll fly out there and get them trained on the contract, uh, go over the steward procedures and et cetera, et cetera. So looking forward to, uh, to working with those guys there in the union capacity. New Orleans is another city that is IAM represented, but we have members there. We have very strong union leadership there. And so uh, we'll work with those guys, continue to get those guys trained. A lot of issues with management in New Orleans. And so we will begin efficiency meetings with New Orleans management at the beginning of the year. Lastly, we also have members in Houston. And uh, that's another city that's IAM represented. We've established relationships there uh, as soon as that station opened uh, back in October of last year. And in fact, we were able to establish union representation for our TWU members right away there as well. So they, they have a little bit of a, a head start on the, the New Orleans and the, the Raleigh's of the world for us. But uh, again, we are going to double our efforts in these cities to make sure that our members feel that they are receiving the representation that they deserve. Absolutely. And uh, I want to double back on one station you mentioned, Austin. Southwest is very big there. And so they've got a, a good, strong foothold. And American is really trying to step on their toes there in Austin, which, you know, it creates a problem, but it's a good problem for us. We're moving into that territory. And, and like you say, American's kind of treating it like a mini hub. So it's going to be interesting to see how that battle moves when it comes time for gate space lease and stuff like that. Well, interestingly enough, American is, is actually exerting some of its muscle and they are muscling some of those gates away from the other airlines so it's it's actually good to see absolutely okay uh let's move on and talk a little bit about some things some of our members have done specifically talk about our committees and some of the things our committees have been able to do this year as you know we have quite a few committees at local 513 some a little bit more active than others just by the nature of the of the committee itself but we couldn't be more proud of any of our committees or committee members you know, we've asked our members at the beginning of this administration to join a committee and be be more active and being a good active union member. You know, it's not just about coming to membership meetings, although we really appreciate the attendance, but it's also part of, you know, learning the contract and, and speaking to our younger members about union issues and, and sort of teaching them how to be uh, good union members. And so another component of that is the folks who've decided to, you know, take some time out of their own personal schedules to become a part of a, of a committee. So we have several, like I said, several standing committees. Uh, one of the more active committees that we have, unfortunately, this year has been the Bereavement Committee. Ken McPherson is the chairman of the committee. He works along with Tony Amarine and Shelby Mahoney. They are doing a wonderful job. 
And that's a job, quite frankly, that not everybody can do. It's a job that requires a lot of sensitivity. It's a job that not everybody is really built for because you're dealing with our members or our members' family at a time in which, you know, it's one of their lowest moments. And so it takes a very special person to be able to let someone know that you care, to provide the information that they need from the work standpoint and also as far as funeral arrangements. It's a very sensitive committee to be on. And I, I just I take my hat off to, to those guys. They are doing an awesome job. Another committee that we have is the Working Women's Committee. They are doing a great job. Just recently, as last month, they did the Salvation Army Angel Tree for our local, provided a lot of toys and clothing and, and necessities for a lot of families so that the kids can have a nice Christmas. That's something that I'm very pleased to say that our local has been participating in in some shape, form, or fashion for many years. And uh, our Working Women's Committee spearheads that action. Just last week, as a matter of fact, the Working Women's Committee attended an event called Wreaths Across America. And what that is, is they, they go to the military cemetery and they put Christmas wreaths on uh, the tombstones and the headstones of our fallen soldiers. Again, you know, some of the work that our committees do is just some tremendous work and they represent our local very, very well and our, and our members very well. Probably the most active committee we have is the safety committee. And I guess, you know, it's all subjective because the benefits committee would probably argue that as well. But uh, our safety committee is, is 24-7. I always say at the membership meetings that we should be able to go home in the same condition that we come to work in. Part of the challenge of the safety committee is that not only do they have to work, you know, with and through American Airlines, but also through the airport board. And so it's a lot of moving parts with the safety committee, but our guys have been extremely active and they're doing fantastic work. Benefits, you know, I touched on them just briefly there. Our benefits committees have been in full gear all year long, but especially the time period from benefits enrollment, which started in late October, all the way up until the end of January. As a side note, they will be available to our members to help them complete their enrollment. I think there's some changes in deductions uh, the folks for the folks who have UBP insurance products. And so they will be available from December the 29th until I think January the 12th to assist our members in making those changes. Again, our committees are just overflowing with work. The Veterans Committee, of course, they, you know, they work throughout the course of the year. They work with the American Airlines TWU Honor Guard. Political Committee, uh, we, we're going to have to enact them uh, concerning some, some local issues coming very soon, but they're always very active. Uh, you've seen our guys, you know, walking picket lines. You've seen our guys at campaign events, uh, doing door-to-door campaigning. So uh, that, that committee is always very active as well. And lastly, our Civil and Human Rights Committee. And it's not just what everybody seems to think when they hear that name. Our committee is a little different. Our Civil and Human Rights Committee, we will begin working on some issues like, for instance, our folks who have troubles obtaining their CIDA badge. We believe that that's one of the things that our committee can start, you know, helping our members with. It's not just about the typical civil and human rights components that, you know, you think of when you hear of, of a committee named that. We have a lot of things going on with our committees. I could not be more pleased with the work they're doing. And I would be remiss if I did not mention the last committee, which is the uh, Next Generation Committee, known from an international standpoint as the FLOC or Future Leaders Committee. 
We've got some young folks who are very eager to learn, the guys who will be, you know, taking over for us very soon. And so that committee is, uh, it's kind of twofold. It's one to show, you know, our, our newer and not just younger, but newer members, the pathway to unionism. They're going to start doing a lot of internal organizing to try to, you know, get people more interested in the concept of, you know, what being in a union is all about. And then also, of course, as the name implies, they will be the guys who will be taking over the leadership of this local. And so it's really incumbent upon us to give them a pathway to show them what we do and try to entrench them in the day-to-day process of, of running the local, and more importantly, governing the contractual relationships that we have with American and allied. Yeah, like you said, I'm really proud of the work that our committees do. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's volunteer work. They don't have to do that work. They've stepped up, and on behalf of their members, they do incredible work. I want to move on to something that you've said many times, and, you know, it's kind of one of those quotes that I really like to hear where you say, the union is the conscious of the company. <laughs> Go ahead and touch on that, and then we'll segue into, uh, you know, a little bit more. So, yeah, I do, I do say that. I do believe it wholeheartedly. I believe that the union is the conscience of the company. And like any other big business, the goal that they have is to make money. Well, I think most of the time, they forget the fact that there are human beings involved. It's our responsibility as union reps, not just to govern the contractual relationships, but to ensure that the company does the right thing by our members. And so sometimes that seems to be the bigger challenge. Earlier, I referenced the break rooms in Austin and Nashville. If they gave us a broom closet, put a couple of chairs in there, and they said, okay, now you guys have a break room, they would think that they've done the right thing. But you know as well as I do that when you're stressed and you're working flights, you're tired, you're in the elements, whether it's, you know, 30 degrees outside or if it's 100 degrees, you want to come back to a place where you can rest, where you can have a good meal, where you can gather yourselves and even prepare for the next flight or the next piece of the operation. It's important that we continue to tell the company that you have to do the right thing by our members. You have to provide a safe, clean working environment. You know, it's not just about getting flights in and out, moving bags and transporting cargo. It's about how you treat people. And a lot of times I think that management, not just American, I think Allied is is a bigger culprit of this, that it's a shame that we have to remind these leaders that you have to treat people with dignity and respect. And so that's that's part of, of our job. That's part of what we're tasked with is that we have to force, you know, we can't ask a company, you can't ask a manager, you have to force them, you have to insist that you're gonna have to treat our members with respect and dignity. And so that's the reason why I'm very strong when I say we are the conscious of every company. So you know there's a reason why I brought that up. So we're gonna segue in, there's been a change, specifically at American Airlines, Doug Parker, who has been for many years the chief executive officer as well as the chairman of the board. He is going to remain the chairman of the board, but he's going to step away from the CEO role. And Robert Isom, our president, after the first quarter of this coming year, is going to move into the chief executive officer. And then they're going to do some shuffling. I know Elise Eberwine is leaving the company, so they're, they're shuffling some responsibilities So let's talk about the company, American Airlines, our new CEO, Robert Isom. When the announcement was made 
a couple of the uh, media outlets reached out to us and they asked for a response. And so I said that uh, we are cautiously optimistic. What I meant by that was quite simply, when you have a change like this, uh, it's not an outsider. This is a person who has ever since been part of you know this regime. And so, you know, there's a lot of questions that you have. I read some of the reports and a lot of the reporters would ask, you know, what is the vision? What do you have a vision for American Airlines? And when you read through what he said, but it really didn't equate to a vision. It equated to a plan. And so I'm cautiously optimistic with respect to the fact that no one wants to see American fail. Certainly not us. We, we still work for American. Our members, we work for American. So we want American to become the world's greatest airline again. So we're cautiously optimistic. But the reality of it is that his history presents something a little different. Robert Isom worked at Northwest Airlines, where they contracted out the vast majority of their aircraft mechanic work after they got a, a record contract to the point where Northwest no longer exists. He was very staunch in his opposition to an, an industry-leading contract during our negotiations. He's a tough negotiator. He's a tough president. I would be foolish to think that we're going to be on, on a primrose path because he's taken over as CEO. I think that, that we will have a bunch of challenges ahead. I think that the TWU is well positioned to deal with those challenges. But the reality is, I'm, again, I'm cautiously optimistic. Fortunately, this local has reached out to some of the folks who work under him in leadership. At the beginning of, of this year, we spoke that we had sent emails and letters and tried to form communications with the David Seymour's of the world, at the time Jim Butler, and we were unsuccessful. After you know a lot of poking and prodding and, and aggressiveness uh, on the part of our local, we were finally able to meet with some of those leaders and actually have them come out to the operation. We're forming relationships, the relationships that we've needed, and we hope that they become very fruitful in the very near future. But again, back to Robert Isom. Again, he's a tough negotiator. His history doesn't suggest that I hope that he proves me wrong. I hope for our members and for the sake of this company that he proves me wrong because what he has to understand, and it goes back to being the conscience of the company, what he's got to understand is that when American Airlines was its greatest, it relied on the people who worked for American. It was not the top leadership. It wasn't, you know, the Bob Crandall's of the world, although Mr. Crandall uh, was an innovator in the aviation industry. It was always about the people and it's about our members. And so if ISOM wants to be successful, if anyone in leadership wants to be successful, the first and most important thing that they have to do is they have to listen to the people who work for them, the people who actually do the job, the people who in that very inclement weather come in day to day, every day, and give 110%. They sacrifice the time away from their families and everything else, 
and they have something to contribute. And he has to listen to that. You have to respect that. And if he doesn't do that, then he's going to fail. He will fail miserably. So I'm cautiously optimistic that somebody is, is in his ear and telling him, you need to listen to the union. You need to listen to the union leadership. And more importantly, you need to listen to the people who work for you, those members. Well, at the end of the day, the company gets to decide. Uh, we'll say Robert Ison will get to decide what type of relationship he wants to have with his frontline employees, not just the TW, but all work groups. Uh, American Airlines is, what, 90-something percent unionized. Uh, we're here. We're not going away. And no matter what group it is, it's incumbent upon us. It's our job to fight for the best for our members. And we're going to do that. So at the end of the day, Robert Isom has a chance to foster a good relationship, a collaborative relationship to where we can work together. We're not always going to agree, and that's okay. Or we can have a combative relationship. Whichever relationship he chooses, we'll go down that path. Absolutely. We are prepared either way. Uh, we have to be prepared either way. Uh, we hope that he's respectful. Because the very nature of what we do is that we're going to have disagreements with management. You know, they're not going to agree with our interpretation of the contract all the time, and we're certainly not going to agree with theirs. But at the end of the day, we both have to have some kind of mutual respect. And it's difficult to respect someone who doesn't respect you. So he's going to have to, uh, and it's, I can't even stress this enough, he's going to have to show that he respects the people who work for him. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said, Greg. Let's segue to the kind of the end of the podcast. Moving past just the relationship with Robert Isom and stuff, I know we've given an outstation update, kind of a, a prognosis of what's coming or a forecast, if you will. Let's talk a little bit about DFW. Now, if you look at DFW just as a station, just this one station, you know it accounts for a vast amount of the revenue for the whole airline worldwide. And there's a lot of changes coming to DFW. Talk about that. Well, yeah. So uh, I've said a couple of podcasts ago, probably, as DFW goes, so goes American Airlines. And so we are very uh, integral part of what the financial success of the company looks like. And so they have, uh, management has decided to pour resources into DFW to pour additional flights to the station. One of the, the, the challenges, however, is they still are, are trying to, to work through what international travel looks like mid-pandemic. They're hoping that international travel rebounds. Obviously, it's a lot of revenue generated from international travel, but they are slowly looking to integrate more international wide-body flights into the operation at DFW. That's the, the plan if the pandemic sort of stays status quo. But what that means for DFW is that it's going to be a complete challenge, but there's a lot of growth that's planned at the DFW operation. And I think anytime you're talking about growth, it's great for our members. It gives our members a great opportunity to continue to make money for their families and continue to provide for their families. So we're very optimistic about the future and relatively near future for DFW. So I've seen high sea area. They've taken the old high sea gates out and uh, replaced them with some modules that they built on property. Uh, they're going to come into Terminal C and revamp or rehab Terminal C. 
They're going to build a stinger out of Terminal C, add several more gates. Uh, they're going to add more gates in Terminal A. Uh, we're bulging at the seams, but the facilities or the airport itself is going to grow as well. Yes. A lot of, uh, uh, again, challenges for our members because there's going to be a lot of movement around the airport as far as, you know, home bases and gates and everything was, uh, are concerned. But uh, that growth just means that DFW is part of the success plan for American Airlines. Yeah, the airport looks different today than it did, say, five or 10 years ago. It's going to look dramatically different five or 10 years from now. We're onboarding a lot of new people. So we're in one of those growth spurts that you and I came in in the late 80s. And so it's kind of, it's good to see the airline grow. Uh, we will have some growing pains, but at the end of the day, uh, through your leadership, I know that we're going to keep our finger on the pulse and uh, represent our members in whatever capacity we need to do so. Before we go, you got any quote unquote housekeeping items you want to discuss? Well, the major thing is up on the holiday season, beginning a new year, you know, take the time to enjoy your families. We've got a lot of work to do. Obviously, you know, the operation is booming. But from a personal standpoint, just take some time and enjoy being around your, your friends and your family. As, as we've proven this year with so many of our members passing away, so many of our members' family members passing away, that life is so fleeting. And so we have to really enjoy those, those times in which we can be with our loved ones and our friends and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, I don't take any of that for granted. I think that that's important at this time of the year that you count your blessings, whatever they are. And then, you know, kind of plan for next year. Hopefully 2022 will be a much better year than 2020 or 2021 from everybody's personal standpoint. We've all been through a lot, you know, both professionally and personally. I just hope that we, we take some time to count our blessings and look towards a, a much brighter future. Absolutely. And the only thing I would add to that, I think I will agree that it's very important that people get together and enjoy your family. The only thing I would add is, you know, when you're out and about, just try to be safe. We still are in a pandemic and that's not a caution not to gather with your loved ones. You should do that. But hopefully next year we can talk about remember back when, when we get past all the, the pandemic and the masking and the vaccine and stuff like that. Hopefully we were able to move past this, but at the end of the day, I want to wish our members a happy holiday. We have Christmas coming. We've got a new year coming and just be safe. And I want to thank you, Greg, for joining me and putting this podcast together. Well, I appreciate it. I too want to wish everyone a very happy and safe holiday. And, and uh, I want to thank you publicly for everything that you've brought to our local, the things that you do for our members. And I'm more than pleased to always join you at the podcast. All right. With that, I'm going to end the show. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Again, be safe and happy holidays. Have a great day. For questions and comments about today's podcast, please email podcast at twulocal513.org. For more information about TWU Local 513, please visit www.twulocal513.org. Music licensed by Pond5. Today's podcast was produced, engineered, and edited by Tommy Engel.